what, uh, when you think of excitement, what, what do you think about? I, I would imagine it's 7.30 in Baton Rouge on Saturday night when the, the uh, Tide and the Tigers are battling. There will be excitement, won't there? Maybe a little smell of alcohol, but there will be some excitement, correct? Would you, you imagine that? Uh, you know what? There's a, no matter what you say, this election has been exciting, hasn't it? It has not been dull. You can use a lot of other adjectives, crazy and saying all that, but it's not been dull. We're in Acts chapter 2 this evening. We're going to pick up where we concluded two weeks ago. We were talking about the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit coming. And, man, that was exciting, wasn't it? And and, uh, I want to tell you, what's going to happen tonight is exciting, too, because there's going to be an accusation of drunkenness and... uh, of uh, the power of the Spirit and the moon turning, the sun turning dark, all kinds of things. It's not dull. The Bible is not dull. We may preach it dull, we may read it dull, but the Bible is not dull. So we're in Acts chapter 2, we're going to start verse 14. Let's begin with this. When you, you get bold, when Jesus really gets you. Isn't that good? When Jesus Christ gets you, you get bold. You You do. In chapter 2, verse 14, I'm in the New Living Translation. It says, Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles, and he shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. We'll see that this in just a moment. When it says Peter shouted, it means he lifted his voice, he raised his voice, and with passion, and with passion, Peter began to speak, the Word of God, the Word of Christ. Now, it's easy to look at, oh man, this is Peter, he's fired up. He's 43 days earlier, he had denied Jesus, not once, not twice, but how many times? Three times. What happened in between those, that 43-day period? And now, let me tell you, two major things happened that always make people bold for Jesus. He had an encounter with the resurrected Christ, and he got filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? In verse 4, if we back up just a little bit, it says, All, And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began speaking in other language. Remember, this was tongues as a, a, it was a known dialect that they didn't know. Speaking in a foreign language they didn't know. As the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, we talked about this in detail two weeks ago. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is a one-time thing that happens when you get saved, right? Now, the Holy Spirit did not come upon all believers until this point. Now, he comes on. So, they're getting baptized with the Holy Spirit, and they, it says they got filled with the Holy Spirit. Filling of the Holy Spirit is something that needs to happen in your life and in my life every single day. In fact, it needs to happen throughout the day. Remember, to be filled with the Spirit is to be controlled with the Holy Spirit. It's not magical, mystical, hard to get your hands around. It's just living a pure life, confessed life, surrendered life. When I surrender my life to Christ as a believer, I let Him fill me. Many of us have Him bottled up in our big toe. Let Him loose. Turn Him loose. You don't need more of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs more of you. And so when Peter got baptized in the Holy Spirit, he got immersed in the Holy Spirit, and he got filled in the Holy Spirit, and he had had an encounter with the resurrection Christ, he didn't mind standing up in front of a largely Jewish crowd who at this point hated Jesus and had crucified him. He didn't mind standing up, and man, he's going to say some really bold things to them in the next few minutes that we'll see in the weeks ahead. But see, here's my point for you and me. 
When you really get Jesus and you're filled with Jesus, he comes out of you. Do you know that? So I want to say a strong thing. I want you to hear me on this. First of all, are you sharing Jesus with people? Don't, don't ever hide behind that lie. It's not my gift. It's not my thing. It's everybody's thing. Everybody's in, gifted to share Christ. You may not be able to sing or you may not be called to preach, but you're, you can share Christ. And are you doing it now? See, here's, here's the, 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 the tough but true thing. If you look at your life and you've never shared Christ with people, you don't have Christ. And if you look, and some of us look back, and man, we got a good resume. I mean, we look backwards, and man, I witnessed, I led people to Christ. We just hadn't done it in a long time. You have Christ, he just doesn't have you anymore. Am I making sense? Am I just, are you just mad at me for what I just said? You see, if I've never shared Christ, I don't have Christ. There's no way Jesus Christ came in you and possessed your life, and you've never shared other people that, that story. And again, some of us are, we're proud of what happened back then, and that's great. It's not happening today. You see, if Christ still has me, he's going to come out of me. This begins when a man who was denied Christ three times is now boldly proclaiming Jesus because he had an encounter with a resurrected Christ, and he was filled with the Spirit. Man, I hope the boldness of Christ will get you and come out of you. Now, here's the second thing. It's a question that begins this sermon. What are the last days and what's going to happen in the last days? We hear about the last days this, the last days ministry, the last days this and that. Verse 15, I love verse 15. Peter says, these people are not drunk. Remember back earlier, a few verses back, when they heard him speaking in, they were speaking in their, their known tongues, but they knew they didn't know him. And I'm sure it did sound a little chaotic. And some of them were amazed, like people always are when God shows up. And some of them were critical, like some people are when God shows up. And some of them said, they're drunk. These people are drunk. I love what Peter says. Look, he says, these people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. It's, too mu- it's much too early for that. To me, Peter's not clear, is he? Can you imagine if we're having a deacon's meeting and, and Reggie Hanch is leading the meeting, and we're laughing, and it's loud. And someone comes by and makes a joke. Hey, I think those deacons are drunk in there. And I open the door and go, hey, man, it's, it's just 5 in the afternoon. It's way too early for them to be drunk. That's not clarity, is it? <laughs> and, I, and Peter was tremendous, but he may have not. He, wasn't the, he didn't have the suave of Paul, did he? So I don't think he really meant, hey, they'll be drunk by 11, but... but uh, <laughs> It, here's, here's part of the point. One, a Jewish person who was devout on the, on, on the Sabbath. Now, this is Sunday, so this wasn't their Sabbath. Or, or a holy day, and this is Pentecost. They would not have eaten anything or drank anything before 10 o'clock in the morning. The, the morning sacrifices were at 9 o'clock, and a devout Jew, uh, probably, especially on a holy day, was not, they, they, he, they weren't drunk. They probably hadn't had a bite to eat or even tasted any kind of uh, liquids to their mouth right now. But I think it's funny the way Peter frames that. In verse 16 and 17, it says, 
Know what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In these last days, God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all my people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old man will dream dreams. We're going to see that more in a moment. He says, he says the last days. In these last days, you caught that, didn't you? You know, when I was growing up, and even today, you, you hear about the last days, and it can be a little bit confusing. There's last day ministries. There's end time ministries. Y'all have heard of these things? There's last day preachers. There are end times preachers. There's, uh, and, and I always thought when I became a young Christian in the 80s that the last days had to be the 1980s because that's what Hal Lindsey said. So that's what I believe. I'm kind of joking, but kind of not joking. Y'all aren't with me anyway, so... <laughs> Anyway, let me tell you what the last days are. The last days are the time from Christ coming until he comes again. See, we we have confused that and we have made it something that it wasn't intended to be. The the last days are not just the 80s, 90s, 2000s. They're not just now. Are we living in the last days biblically? Absolutely. Was Peter and Paul? Absolutely. Absolutely. The last days are an era. It's not a thing to sell a good book. It's an era. The last days begin. Now, you can, it depends on how you want to differentiate it. You can say when Christ was born or after his death and resurrection here. The last days begin in the New Testament times. And the last days will end when Jesus Christ comes back to earth. Now, you go, what does that matter? It does matter. That will help you understand the Bible better when you understand that, yes, we are absolutely living in the last days. And so was Peter. So, that gives you a, a broader framework that, well, last days are 2,000 years. I didn't write that. The Bible, God did, okay? Yes, it, it's, it's an era. Whether the last days are going to be 2,016 years long or whether they're going to be 5,000 years long. Uh, God's the one that determines that, not you and me. But it, the last days are from Christ's time until, tonight, until when he comes back again. Now, here's a really neat thing about the last days. The Holy Spirit is going to come into all who believe in Christ on the last days. In the last days. Verse 16 and 17 again. Now what you see predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. Hopefully the old men aren't dreaming dreams in church. Amen. <laughs> if you get that humor. Uh, folks, if you were to go back, if you're taking notes, this is almost, not, not perfectly, but almost a direct quote from Joel chapter 2, verse 28 through 32. And, and what God through Peter is saying here is that that Joel passage is being fulfilled, at least in part, right here on the day of Pentecost. Now look, it says, I'm going to pour my spirit on all people and your sons and daughters will prophesy. The word prophesy, that's a, that's a word like last times or last days that's confused. A lot of times people think of prophecy, they think of predicting the future and that can be part of it. But the primary word for prophecy or understanding in the New Testament is not predicting the future, it's proclaiming truth. So, is a preacher a truth proclaimer? Not all the time, but that's what he's supposed to be. My job is not to come up here and try to predict the future to you. It's to proclaim the truth of God to you. But, listen, when you 
You tell people about Jesus. You share your faith. You witness. You proclaim the gospel. You are prophesying in the New Testament when you do that in the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that cool? That, that really is cool. Now, folks, here's the connection, too. The, remember, we said this two weeks ago. The Holy, it's hard to understand, but the Holy Spirit did not indwell every God follower in the Old Testament. It wasn't until the day of Pentecost this happened. One way in the Old Testament they could tell people who had the Spirit is they prophesied. Sometimes the Spirit would come on people for a little while, then it would leave. Do you remember when Saul was anointed king? Saul prophesied. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, he wasn't always filled with the Holy Spirit. He was full of some other stuff at other times in his life, including himself. But part of, part of their understanding in seeing someone filled with the Holy Spirit was that they prophesied, that they proclaimed a message from God. That's exactly, when they spoke in tongues, folks, they weren't doing something to bring glory to themselves. They were proclaiming the message of God and the glory of God. And he says in this passage something that is very important to us. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. This was predicted. Now, what this meant in a bigger context, this is really cool, is he was saying, hey, your sons and your daughters are going to get the Holy Spirit. Now, For you and me, we don't struggle with this, but a Jewish person 2,000 years ago struggled mightily with a woman getting the Holy Spirit. And he said, look, the Holy Spirit's coming to everybody. Women, are you glad about this? Think how dominant your husband would be if he had the Holy Spirit and you did not. Every argument, he would end it by saying, I have the Holy Spirit, you don't. Knock it off. But you've got the Holy Spirit. Isn't that great? You've got the Spirit He has. Your young men will see visions and your dormants will dream dreams. Isn't that great? You know what he's saying there? The Holy Spirit's going to come on everybody that receives Christ. It doesn't matter how young you are or old you are. See, in their society, they despaired the young. Our society, the older I get, I see we despair the old. (laughs) And here's what he's saying. Listen, when the Holy Spirit comes to those who believe in Christ, he's going to come on men. He's going to come on women. He's going to come on the young. He's going to come on the old. And look in verse 18. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. They will proclaim the message of God. That's a, that's a witness, the fact that they have the Holy Spirit. Now, folks, that word in your Bibles, depending on your translation, servant or whatever, is the word slave, human piece of property. When it says your female or your women's servants, that was a handmaid. That was the lowest servant or slave of this day. Now, can you imagine all these devout Jewish religious people from all over the world? Here's what they're hearing. Hey, buddy. And most of them are men. Hey, buddy. By the way, the chicks are getting the Holy Spirit too. Uh Uh-oh. Old men are getting them, young men are getting them, old women, young women. And by the way, your slaves and the people you oftentimes aren't, don't treat very good, they're getting the same Holy Spirit you're getting. Is that not awesome? Yes, it's awesome. Man, when the Holy Spirit comes, He does not discriminate. He comes to anyone who will receive Him. Isn't that wonderful? Now, see, this passage at times has been used... Now. Stay with me. Don't get mad at me, especially you ladies. For, for women to say, well, this shows that a woman should preach. Well, that's not necessarily what it's saying. I personally don't think a woman should be a senior pastor. If you know of a church that, that does, that's fine. That's great. That's their choice. 
That's their, their option. And that's not my job to condemn that. I'm telling you my biblical, my biblical conviction. This isn't saying a man should preach or a woman should preach. It's saying something greater than that. It's saying that when Christ comes in your life, regardless of your gender, the Holy Spirit comes in you. Isn't that wonderful? I want to read to you something, and, and I've got to read it because there's a few details to it. But in the catacombs, the, the, the graveyard basically, in Rome, in recent years, listen to what archaeologists have found. Looking at, at 3,733 ancient graves and headstones in the catacombs, they found among Christian, in the Christian graveyard area, that the women were lifted up as high as the men were in what was written on the inscriptions on their tombstones. See, in the pagan cultures and the Jewish cultures in this time, women were secondary citizens. In in Greek culture, they had no right at all. But now, Christianity comes in and Jesus elevates everybody. Isn't that wonderful? And and, and they said, that looking at their headstones, that the women got as much good play on their headstones as the men, which they should. They even noticed this, as strange as this may sound, the children. The children got as much uh, good play on their headstone, and even the daughters. Now, sounds terrible, but a daughter back in this society was was way considered secondary than having a son. And and I'm sharing that with you to say what the archaeologists have found was that when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, he came to everybody. And Christianity is a religion that doesn't discriminate if it's real Christianity. And, And it's good for the men, it's good for the women, it's good for the young, it's good for the old. In 1906 in in Los Angeles, there was a great revival called the Azusa Street Revival. How many of you have heard of that? It's the birth of what we'd say modern-day, the charismatic movement. And it was led by an African-American preacher named William Seymour. Church historians say what happened, and of course, this is 1906. Now, it wasn't in the Deep South, but it was still, you know, prejudice was terrible uh, in 1906 in, in America. And that when the Holy Spirit started coming, white people... Black people, Hispanic people, Asian people, everybody was getting saved and everybody was loving each other. You know why? Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. Isn't that great? When he comes, he comes to everybody. See, this is a great theological truth to know that the Holy Spirit in the last days, which began in, in the New Testament times, regardless of age, gender, anything else, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight God loves not the children, but even the old geezers of the world. Isn't that great? And not only red, yellow, black, and white does he love us, red, yellow, black, and white. When we give our hearts to him, he gives his spirit to us. That's what he's proclaiming here. You're going, oh, yeah, we know this. Well, we don't live like we know it. And secondly, think of how stunned the Jewish people were when they were hearing Peter proclaim this. Because I'm telling you, several years later, Peter's still struggling with this same stuff. Wow, what cool stuff. Let me give you a third thought uh, on this. The miraculous and powerful things are going to happen in the last days. Verse 19, And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood, fire, and clouds of smoke. Now, man, does that not sound interesting? The word wonder means something that's miraculous, startling, or imposing. Obviously, when you look at verse 19, you could think of, Things happening in the sky, whether that's asteroids or whatever it may be. 
Uh, you also think of, in verse 19 about blood, fire, and smoke. A lot of scholars say that's wars. That's wars and terrible things happen or terrible plagues. In verse 20, the sun will become dark. Some scholars believe that may be pointing back to when Jesus was crucified. Remember when the sun became dark? And the moon will turn blood red. Do you remember last year when we had a, was it last year? Uh, they call it a Pascal moon, a red moon. Do you remember that? John Hagee's written some books about the blood moon. Before that great and glorious day of the Lord. What in the world is all this talking about? Is it talking about things that have happened? Probably. Is it talking about things that may happen today? Probably. Is it talking about things that may happen in the future? Certainly. Is it talking about some things that are, are laid out in Revelation? Certainly it could be. One thing I can tell you is I'm uncertain about everything that it's talking about here. But I know it says at the end of this, before the great and glorious day of the Lord. That's before Jesus comes again and before the second coming in the judgment. That there's going to be things happen. And let me tell you, it's not going to be dull. You go, Chris, well, this is scary. Well, it, it, scary and exciting can go together, can't they? I, I would imagine the last hour on the Titanic was exciting, wouldn't you? I mean, it's horrifying, but it was not. Nobody who survived the Titanic said, ah, oh, it's kind of a boring night, did they? No, unless they were very drunk when they were put in that boat, because, or that rowboat, because it was not dull. One thing we can be sure of before Jesus comes back is there's going to be some things happen that are going to be shaking and baking. Powerful, powerful things. But let me give you the last thought here. And I think this is the, man, this is the, the meat and the potatoes. He tells us in these last days, everyone who calls on Jesus will be saved. Now, I would tell you this, that was true uh, from Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Genesis 3, that anybody called on God was saved. This is a new powerful declaration, and it's putting Jesus Christ in the middle. Verse 21, don't you love that? But everyone, but everyone who calls on the Lord. Folks, I want to jump back to verse 19, and I want you to see where it says, and there will be signs on the earth below. This is very important. That word signs there, it means a miracle with an ethical end in mind. Now, what does that mean? It means God doesn't just pop things in the sky so everybody go, wow, that's pretty. That these miracles and these signs have a goal, and that goal is to get you saved if you're not saved. That goal is to get you and me as Christians to get our acts together and to live for God. A sign, a miracle with a desired result in mind. And he tells us this beautiful thing. Listen, Romans 10, 13 almost echoes this perfectly. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, again, Jewish people had to be stunned because many of them thought God only wanted to save the Jews. Did did this mean non-Jewish people? Absolutely. You better hope so. Did this mean the Samaritans who the Jewish people hated? Absolutely. But I think far more personally, when it says everyone, it means everyone. Let me give you two little thoughts on this. This is your personal hope. Folks, no matter what happens in the end of times, I've never got too wrapped up in that because I always believe this. Jesus is going to come back and what's going to happen is going to happen and I can't alter that. I just got to make sure I'm where I need to be, number one. And my hope is this, that 
If I die tonight or if I live through the tribulation or whatever happens, if Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, I'm going to be eternally great. See, your hope tonight has to be wrapped up. Let's look at that verse again one more time. Your hope has to be wrapped up in verse 21. Everyone includes you, doesn't it? How many of you believe everyone includes you? I've never, even staunch predestination people, I've never heard them say, well, I think I'm predestined for hell. I would believe you believe that if you believed you're predestined for hell, wouldn't you? But you ever notice that? It's always someone else, never them. (laughs) Man, what hope. But here's the second part of this that's so great. This is our wonderful message to everybody else. Man, he just got finished talking about Old Testament prophecy being fulfilled, about miraculous things and the stars and smoke and fire and all this stuff. And isn't it kind of weird? He comes back and he says, hey, 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 hey. But remember, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that beautiful? How many of you do not know somebody that if they died tonight, you'd be concerned about where they'd spend eternity? What are you doing about that? Do you believe they're part of everyone? You see, the Holy Spirit came to live in you and to fill you. Not just so we'd sit around and say we're filled with the Spirit. A lot of Christians will spend years trying to figure out verse 19 and 20. The wonders, the signs, the fire, the blood, the blood moon and all that. Folks, I want to give you another challenge tonight. It's okay to, to, to look at the signs, but look at, start looking after souls. <laughs> it's far more important that you win souls than you figure out the signs. By the way, most of the people I know who think they have the signs figured out don't have a clue. Our message of hope for everyone is that for anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Garrison Keller is, a, is an author, and I don't know anything about his r- religious background or beliefs, but in Newsweek magazine several years ago, he was asked to name his five, the, the five books that made the biggest difference on his life. He didn't say the Bible, he didn't say the New Testament, but one of the books he said was the book of Acts. Isn't that interesting? He said the book of Acts, and here's what he said, and I'm going to try to read it verbatim. In his sophisticated way, the flames lit on their little heads (laughs) and bravely and dangerously went they onward. (laughs) This guy's probably read 5,000 books in his life. And he says, the thing about the book of Acts was I listed my top five because something happened to those people and they went out and changed the world. Is that not great? You see, the Bible is anything but dull, and Acts chapter 2 is certainly exciting. It's exciting because we see, we see a coward who becomes a bold proclaimer. We see people baptized and filled with the Spirit. It's a message for men, women, young, old, slaves, and powerful. Man, things are uncertain in the end, but Jesus saves, and he will save you and anybody you will bring to him. That's exciting, isn't it? So here's what I want to ask you this evening. 
Maybe you're here tonight and, and you aren't sure if you're a Christian. Are you going to roll the dice that you'll get another chance? Why don't you come tonight? When we stand, there will be ministers down front. We can help you. Why don't you come tonight and let us help you call on the name of Jesus? Come and do that tonight. You're bashful? Catch me over here right after church, and I'll help you do that. I promise you. Maybe you'd like to join our church. We'd love for you to do that. One way you can do that is when we stand, you can come. Listen, we want to be a church filled with the Holy Spirit and love with God and love with people and sharing the message. If that's what you're looking for, come and join us. And Christian, man, you have Jesus, does he have you? And if not, will you turn him back loose in your life tonight? Let's stand. You come now as we sing. Thank you.